Welcome back to Two Penny Blog. I'm Pastor Lou Florio. Tonight we continue with another special episode. We'll be joining the Congregation of Christ Lutheran Church of Fredericksburg, Virginia for night prayer. Tonight's text was drawn from the Revised Common Lectionary for the Wednesday of the second week of Lent, year C, or you could also call it the year of Luke. Our text, if you'd like to read along in your own Bible, is Luke chapter 13, verses 22 to 31, using the New Revised Standard Version. The prelude and postlude is offered by Rebecca Case, and I want to thank her for sharing her gifts with us. Wherever you are, I hope this worship blesses you.
The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 13th chapter. Jesus went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you. I did not know where you came from. Then you'll begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught us in, your stri- in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you, you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. And God will come from east and west and from north and south. Excuse me, and people will come from east and west and north and south and recline at the table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first and some are first who will be last. At the very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, get away from here for Herod wants to kill you. And at that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him what I already said. It's double print. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks to you, O Christ. Well, sorry for that typo there. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Especially during this season of Lent, we hear God's plea return to me. Our God loves us and wants what is best for us. God doesn't wish our destruction, but God desires our salvation, our rescue from ourselves and the world's powers. And so in scripture, you hear this call, return to me, or variations of it, over 30 times. The number grows even larger when you consider other phrases and words that mean the same or quite similar things. For an important example, look at the start of the gospel according to Mark. As Jesus begins his public ministry, the first words we hear him say are, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The word used here for repenting in Greek is metanoo. Metanoau, meaning to change one's mind or purpose. In English, and in the context Jesus uses this word, repent is often thought to signify the feeling or expression of sincere regret or remorse about one's wrongdoing or sin. We have violated a law, and so now we are sorry and we want to do better. Yet a friend of mine, Brother John of Tizay, recently wrote a wonderful book, asking some very important, challenging questions. What if a fuller understanding of the word in this case was to turn back to God, reorient our lives toward God, change our purpose, see God as the God of grace that God is, rather than this being about some legalistic demand for change of behaviors or sense of regret? There's a call to action in those words of Jesus, not just emotion. How might our lives change if we understood this was not to be just a moment of decision for the Lord, 
some singular time of conversion. But repentance infers we experience a lifetime of transformation or of reorientation through the Spirit. For God doesn't just want our one-time decision of faith, but all that we are forever. Generally translated as repentance or conversion, the root word metanoia in Greek has in fact a much richer significance, or so argues Brother John. Our spiritual life is a journey with daily conversion points, if not moment by moment. Brother John points us toward Jesus through his argument and encourages us to follow Jesus in a hope-filled way. I would suggest this understanding better captures Jesus' proclamation of good news, for this is good news. With God's help, in a God who comes to us as Jesus, and like a good shepherd will come again and again for a sheep that is lost, we always can change direction to do and love better, to be more like God and grow closer to God with God's help. In another place in scripture, when Jeremiah mourned the destruction of Jerusalem and the taking of his people into captivity by the Babylonians, he composed the Book of Lamentations. At least the book is attributed to him. Lamentations express the community's grief and the understanding that the communal sin of the people of Israel led to this loss or punishment. This includes the sin of Jeremiah himself. The book's attitude, expressing the need to win back God's love, be worthy of such love, reflected an understanding commonly held by neighbors in that region about their own gods. This attitude is documented in writing to date back as far as at least 1,000 years earlier in Samaria. Jeremiah believed God might act to restore his people, but God might not act. So Jeremiah suggests, let us search and examine our ways that we may return to the Lord. Let us reach out our hearts to God in heaven. On the surface, that sounds like very good advice. It's always good to try to orient our hearts towards God. Yet Jeremiah's understanding and expectation infers that they need to turn back to God so that God will perhaps relent. God, he believes, has turned God's face from them, abandoned or perhaps even stopped loving them. Remember, the destruction of the temple and the subsequent exile was an existential crisis for the Jewish faith and thus all of its people. The temple's destruction, the center of their communal cultic life, might have signaled the end of a relationship with God, or so many feared. Yet remember also, this is relatively earlier on in the relationship of God to God's people. Today we have the blessing of knowing Jesus and his message. In Jesus we learn more about God than Jeremiah could have hoped for. We find a God who always loves us, even when we mess up even as we might face consequences for our sin. God is not fickle or unpredictable. No, our God, we are told, is love. Like the father treats the prodigal son in Jesus' parable, God will always welcome us home. More than that, in Jesus Christ, God comes to us when we are lost in order to save us. We don't deserve it. We cannot merit it. We can only receive it as a gift. 
If that's truly the case, and I would suggest that Jesus' suffering and death on the cross proves that it is, then our turning back to God isn't about winning merit, even as it is the right and helpful thing to do. Turning back is really just cooperating with the grace already being offered us. It is a recognition that only in Christ can we find our salvation. Only in God can we find our purpose and meaning. In repenting, we reach out to our God in heaven, confident that God has already and is still reaching out to us. That is good news. The term good news literally means gospel. But ultimately, we are talking about the news of our salvation, our liberation from our enslavement to sin, our experience with brokenness and long-standing estrangement from God. Indeed, God will fulfill the promise delivered us through the prophet Ezekiel and others. And I will give them one heart and a new spirit I'll put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19. Yes, God does everything that truly matters. Repentance is not just about cleaning up our messes. It's more than that. It is turning toward God so that we might truly live. It is opening our hearts and redirecting them toward a God that already loves us and always will love us even when we lose our way. I'm not arguing that changing our ways is a bad thing. We should do better. We all can do better. I'm not saying that we should never avoid and when necessary, seek to resist temptation. We truly are involved in a form of spiritual warfare. Yet I am suggesting quite forcefully that we don't do so in any way, shape or form to convince God to love us more than God already does. In Martin Luther's 95 Theses, Martin Luther starts with number one. When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. The entire life. We are continually to turn back or reorient our lives to receive grace. This still could prove hard. It likely will even hurt a bit. Letting go of sin, addiction, and all that we know and love always hurts at least a little bit. Still, our purpose is no longer to save ourselves or just try harder or even to be perfect. Our purpose becomes taking another good hard look at Jesus and let his heart break the spell that we've been under. When we trust in Jesus and all that he has done for us, our lives can change in miraculous ways. You know, I never succeeded in following Jesus when I tried harder. I never found happiness or abundant life when I was left to my own devices. Yet when I trust more, when I decided that I would seek to please God as a thank you and not for what I could get out of it, I discovered Jesus does all the heavy lifting he freed me from the burden of sin and death, which was crushing the life out of me. When I surrender to God's will, I find I can make better, more faithful choices. When I give my life to Jesus, whatever may come, 
I find more joy even amidst sacrifice. And as difficult as it is to follow the precepts of God, I discovered through Jesus, God's law became a blessing and not a curse, a truly gentle yoke. Through faith, I've become empowered to love in ways I never thought possible for me. And I know this will prove true for any of us, for it is the way God has always worked in history, and it reflects who God always is, love. Repent without delay, then repent and repent and repent. Turn back to God and look for your salvation. Keep your eyes on Jesus. In receiving the grace being offered you, your tears of sadness and regret will become tears of gladness at your salvation. There is nothing to fear. Jesus is drawing near. Amen.
This concludes tonight's worship. Thanks so much for being with us. We hope you can join us next week, March 23rd, for night prayer, where the topic will be fasting. It might not be what you think it is. Have a restful sleep. God bless you, and good night. To learn more about Christ Lutheran Church, where I serve as associate pastor, please visit us at christ-lutheran-church.org. All opinions on this podcast and my written blog are my own, but if you have any questions about anything I've posted or ideas for a future podcast, please write me at twopennyblog at gmail.com. Twopennyblog is spelt out. I'd love to hear from you. To learn more about my work with the Theology on Tap program called Three Priests Walk in a Bar, visit us on Facebook at Facebook forward slash Three Priests. That's spelled out with no spaces as well. Now, for the legalese. Unless otherwise indicated, all scripture quotations for any of my posts or podcasts are from the New Revised Standard Version translation of the Bible, also known as the NRSV. This podcast is copyright 2022 by the Reverend Louis Florio. All content not held under another's copyright may not be used without permission of the author.